Welcome to the Blackbird Film Podcast. My name is Madison. And I am Nolan. So today we have a very special guest joining us. She is a writer, director, and producer, the founder of Congested Cat Productions, educator and co-host of her more recent project, Breaking Out of Breaking In Podcast, and winner of the 2020 Blackbird Film Fest Black Feather Award. Today we'll be discussing her 2018 production and Blackbird Film submission, The Gaze. Please welcome Christina Rea. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me on. So basically with your film submission for Blackbird the Gaze, I was wondering if there was any inspiration behind the storyline, if you took any inspiration from other films. Yeah, so the gaze is very much sort of inspired by just living in the world as a woman um, and particularly being on film sets and kind of working in a, in a world that is very dominated by men. That's definitely changing, but you know, and in the indie scene, it's definitely a very different story, but the industry at large, it's a very male dominated space and it's just very rooted in just kind of, um, you know, like frustrations and, and, also the the current political climate and and everything i i felt like it was a way to work out some of my own frustrations that's re- that's really what my films are rooted in is like what am i trying to process right now what am i trying to get out and communicate and and really get out of my own head or my own feelings with and it often ends up being a short film so so yeah that that was the original uh story at least from an emotional space and i I'm a huge horror fan, so it was very meta in its approach. I, it has a lot of references to like Scream. Um, that was a big one for me when I was a kid. And, and because it is like this extra layer of meta commentary, it felt very appropriate to make that kind of opening scene very Scream-like, both in the, the kind of lighting and the music used when you think about sort of the Drew Barrymore scene um, in in the opening of Scream. And it's also just kind of like an ode to 90s campy anthologies. Like I really loved uh, Goosebumps and Tales from the Crypt and and those kind of mini episodes of things where like the, the CGI or the visual effects weren't quite there yet, but it's like just sort of fun and campy. I tend to go in a very like playful direction even when I'm tackling, you know, something that's sort of traumatic or something that's maybe a darker subject. And then all of that was really brought together in this five minutes of fun, I hope. <laughs> no, yeah, it was awesome. Me and Nolan both watched it. Yeah, I thought it was great. Thank you. I, I also, so a theme that I kind of picked it up myself or conjured it in my own mind, but I was wondering if like, and part of the idea was also to kind of allow women to be powerful and scary as well. Cause for me, you know, I feel like most horror films I've seen are, you know, men are the ones that are like the ones imposing themselves and being intimidating or scary or, you know, whatever. They're usually like, um, not that your main character was a villain necessarily, but that, you know, she was the one imposing the intimidating, scary stuff on uh, another character in the film. So is that kind of an, a part of the yeah. thought process? Yeah, I really definitely like to subvert expectations. And women in the genre in particular are often put into boxes, right? And, and often it is like, you're only allowed to be a victim. And then within that, you're allowed you're allowed to be sort of the final girl or like the slutty friend. Um, and it's always through the male gaze. It's always in, in relation to the men of the stories, even when it is a female protagonist. And so I definitely wanted to subvert that subvert your expectations watching a horror movie in general but also kind of like make you think about 
how villains are made because in my mind this this sort of coven of women they're not the villains of the story and they could not exist the way that they do if not for the objectification of of men and just the constant victimization that they're they're forced into but i do love like playing with that gray area there because that's that's real life right and and yeah just seeing women like ha- have i don't know vengeance is the right word because again it's like all a woman has to do is walk down the street and someone will come up to her but they're not like capturing men right and so there's just an interesting uh, layer to that but i i really want for me the ending to feel like satisfying in an, in a way but also again bring up like interesting questions about morality and and why what makes a villain what makes a monster a monster another thing i noticed too and it kind of goes how you alluded to there's a cat calling moment in mm-hmm. the film this is kind of a, a little bit diverting from this um, idea of you know having women be like the you know aggressor or at least you know having the power of being in control of the situation or whatever however you want to phrase that but you know I, I wanted to ask you about how you managed to get, I feel like you had so many minor roles or like, you know, one line people or such a kind of wide array of a cast for such a short film. Cause I'm always interested in that. Cause um, Madison and I actually were both filmmakers. And when we were in school, we dabbled a little bit in uh, filmmaking. And that was always the hardest part was getting people, first of all, that were willing and able to do, you know, any role, you know, the lead role, let alone, you know, a, just a short little role. Yeah, so I've made a lot of films, quite a few shorts before this one, so it was a lot of like tapping of friends, actors who normally wouldn't say yes to such a small role, but wanted to do it just because they like working with me and they knew that it would get uh, a certain amount of like festival recognition just because my I have been at certain festivals a few times so I know generally they're probably going to like my kind of work but it also was doubling up on the crew so in the in the, sh- the kind of shot where we are reveal that the opening is a movie and I'm the director uh, in it a lot of that crew is the actual crew so I was just like will you be on screen and the guy who plays the masked kill in that opening is our sound person. He was actually the guy doing sound, but he loves like playing and he loves acting, but he's not really an actor. So he kind of liked doing that. And then he also is one of the cat callers. So it was a lot of doubling up on people where, where it was mm-hmm. possible to do so. And yeah, another one of the cat callers is, an, is a, a crew member. He's my AD, Matt. And really just the one who has a line at the beginning is like an actor, actor. And he's one that I asked to do it just because he's supportive and, and had actually been wanting to work with me. I didn't really have anything to do anything for him, but this was just something. And I was like, do you want to do it? And he was really into it. Um, so I do think that like when it comes to finding actors, it always goes back to relationships, even when it comes to crew as well. Like a lot of people, if you can grow together, they will maybe do something that they're like above, I don't, for lack of a better word, for you, right, as a favor. And I find that I do that too for friends that I love working with in general who I've grown with. You know, I have a DP who, who definitely works for far cheaper for me than everyone else because we have collaborated on so many projects and have grown together. And similarly, when he needs like a producer or something along those lines, I come on board for way cheaper or for less like just a creative fulfillment than than I would normally expect and and so I find that that's really it and so my advice really is just to like treat every connection when you vibe well with someone just make sure you maintain that and like even as simple as 
just kind of responding to their social media posts every once in a while. You never know who's going to show up for you because you need a favor. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense because, you know, like you said, there was a lot of like little roles. And that's interesting that you'd have. I mean, it makes sense to have someone do more than one small <laughs> role. But I feel like that makes a difference between a lot of, you know, newer filmmakers. You can tell the difference if it's higher quality or not with like, you know, the little subtle things like that. And I thought that was you know, kind of neat because it's a five minute film, but you filled it out. It felt very full, even with, you know, the talent. And Thank stuff. you. I, you know, a lot of that was in the prep time, just sort of putting in the work to get commitments from people and, and using space really well. Now, I know you said that horror films is like one of your favorite genres. Mm -hmm. I was curious if there were any more inspirational films that helped you growing up on your journey to become a filmmaker. Yeah, so I... I think TV more than film in a way because I was I was just such a I was just like in front of the TV constantly and so like I said a lot of anthology type series I do really love short films because I just love the kind of like setup and payoff of a short and so The Twilight Zone was pretty huge for me I would watch that marathon on the 4th of July and on New Year's Eve with, with my mom constantly growing up every year. And I really loved sort of horror comedy type TV like Buffy the Vampire Slayer is one of my favorite shows of all time. And that was pretty an early influence for me, especially as a writer, which isn't quite as relevant to this short. There isn't that much dialogue in it, but usually in my writing, that kind of like quippiness is, is very prevalent. But as far as movies go, I really did love anything that was kind of like an early 80s, 90s, either slasher or or kind of haunting movie. So, so the genre in particular is always going to be things I reference. I, I really love John Carpenter. I'm, I'm a big fan of his work and his use of music and his use of space in general. And I also, this is kind of like a totally different realm, but I also really loved sitcoms. And I think that comedy and horror tend to go hand in hand because they're all about beats, right? They're all about like hitting the beats. And that I think influenced the way that I write and, and the things that I make even when not comedy as well, just because I'm very like beat oriented and all about kind of pacing and like building of tension, whether it's, you know, to scare you or to make you laugh, it's kind of the same realm for me. I noticed that with the gaze, because honestly, that first did kind of get me with that, <laughs> with the guy in the mask and the whole um, thing. And then I was like, oh, wait, there's going to be another scary part now. <laughs> Great. Cool. But yeah, so you said, obviously, the film plays into, you know, women's struggles in just life in general in the film industry. Being a woman in the film industry, what challenges have you kind of faced? And have you noticed that it kind of is, it takes a lot for women to be almost taken more seriously in these fields? Yeah, I'm, I think it's hard because men are the decision makers still very much by and large. And so there's definitely the underestimating of my you know abilities my intelligence there I, I look younger than I am so that plays into it too like I'm just sort of a little girl in the room and then there's also like not knowing when when there are kind of insidious intentions and when someone's just being friendly which I don't think men have to deal with you know someone like asks you to grab coffee with them and when it's a man asking another man generally speaking you're probably fine to say yes and not feel like 
you're you're putting yourself in a dangerous position or you're like saying yes to something and they're misreading it and it's a constant kind of navigating of that and not having to not having the like autonomy to sort of go go around like men in the industry because they are at the top at every level and that's just i think the reality of most work environments but it's definitely amplified in film where there isn't as much regulation around like what is appropriate in a work setting and like what constitutes a work setting because it's totally reasonable that you know having to go to a hotel for auditions may make sense like in our industry that's not so bizarre but it could also be very incredibly problematic and it like leaves you with little room to create boundaries because the industry expects you to sort of like be available at all times for anything and like you know grabbing drinks with someone at a really late hour is often how you hear people like got their agent or like how they got that interview whereas you wouldn't hear that in like if you're trying to be a doctor or you know if you're trying to really do any kind of industry that would sort of be inappropriate to like go grab drinks with someone and then get an interview so that's just a hard thing to navigate as a woman and then of course there's like having some people on set who are not comfortable taking direction from a woman or or are it's like very ego it's a very ego driven industry at the end of the day but i will say that i don't interact all that much with like the exec side of things you know when it comes to the industry i'm very much more on the collaborative side of things and for me, I rely heavily on recommendations and I will just ask people, you know, what was this working experience like? And I often will seek out other women when it comes to actors. If I see that they've never had a woman director before, then I'm going to kind of like want to navigate that a little bit more because I've definitely been in positions where they seemed really great in the room. But then on set, they're just like, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do what I want to do because I think I know better, you know, like as a man. And there's that, especially like older men, old men who are maybe cast as like fathers or grandfathers and things that I've made. So that's it's it's a constant kind of navigating of egos and and entitlement. But the I also most of my collaborators I would say at the end of the day are men at least like from on a technical level I I do have a lot of women that I collaborate with as well but like my DP is is a man and my main editor is a man and so for me it's like making sure that I really find the real allies and giving them space to bring other men in who are also on their level and, and that's how I've built bigger sets. Like this was a pretty small film, very small crew, but my feature for instance was, I, I made a feature a couple years ago and that was a lot of the much larger team. And so it was a lot of like, who does, who does my DP want to bring in and who do these people want to bring in and making sure that they all are just like on the level, right? And that everyone on set will be treated equally and respected equally. It's uh, funny you go when you talked about like the subtleties and navigating that as a woman in the film industry, like you said, going out to drinks after work and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Because that one scene in your movie, The Gaze, where the guy's talking to her at the elevator, it was one of those moments where I was like, is this going to be the part where, you know, she kind of runs into trouble? Because it was just that almost uncomfortable tension where I was like, because I've experienced it myself in real life, right. you know, being a woman, having to, you know, decipher whether a man's intentions are genuine or not. Right. And, and like, I really didn't want to answer that question for you about the crew member at the elevator because I don't, I think, yeah, it is just every day. Uh, there's always going to be one encounter where it's like, maybe this person is being totally genuine and friendly, but 
with the kind of level of violence against women and and the 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 world in which we have to live in it's like i can't live life by just giving everyone the benefit of the doubt it's constantly having to really be strategic in how i navigate interactions like that and and yeah and that's like that's for me is a constant thing you know and i i hope to one day get to a point where people you know it's like everyone's an individual and i'm just sort of reading this situation without gender playing a role but we're totally not there yet and yeah and and that was like it's interesting to see how people read that scene because men sometimes at the festival on the festival circuit would say like he was just being nice like why was he in this movie like what are you trying to say and it's like other people and women in particular like he's so creepy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that's a good point, too, because that is something that, you know, I mean, it's important to network. And like you said, uh, mentioning before how, you know, if a man asks another man like, oh, let's go get a cup of coffee. Like that's, you know, a personable, um, you know, interaction you could have where it's either networking or even just building a friendship to, you know, work with someone. So I think that's really important to acknowledge. And also, you know, you kind of talked about how you have that you know, your team kind of that you work with, I'd imagine you work with them on a lot of projects. How long does it take to kind of create a team like that, that you trust and that, you know, you can build to where you can have them introduce more people to your team and stuff? Because, you know, I think that is obviously super important for, for anyone, but especially, you know, a woman filmmaker who is trying to develop a team she can trust and get a, a film done like you did. Yeah, you know, it, it's a lot of trial and error, I would say, and and kind of keeping who works and, and replacing who doesn't. The people I work with now are kind of my core go-to people for every role, but it took quite a few years to get there. My editor I did meet in college and my main producing collaborator who's also a writer and she's a woman Kelsey Rauber we met in college but a lot of the people we work with now especially like our DP and other people came through recommendations and so my DP for instance was the first assistant camera on my first feature and he was brought in through someone else on the team but he became the one that I liked the most he like we bonded even though he wasn't even my dp on that project he and i just like were speaking the same language he was very good at listening to what i wanted or expected and then he would kind of bring his own creativity to it without like undermining my own my own expectations or my own desires as a director and so for my next project i not that there was anything wrong with my dp on that feature but he and i just like didn't have the kind of chemistry I think a DP and a director needs to have. So for my next project, I just asked the first AC if he wanted to be the DP because he had like, that was his end goal, but he hadn't done it quite as much. And this was like an opportunity for him to step into that role. And now we've made like seven projects together. And he becomes like the person I always check on camera crew for. I'm like, who do you who do you like for this? Who makes sense for this project? Especially when we're talking like this is a project where there's gonna be a lot of focus pulling. Who who do you want for that role? Or this is a project that's gonna be like, you know, high key natural light or low key really dark shadows and like who are the gaffers that that make sense? They're both from like an energy perspective, like the, who they vibe with, but also 
who um, can handle that from a technical level. And so it is a lot of like, okay, this person works, so I'm going to keep them, but I'm going to get rid of all these people that were around them and use this person that worked to try and pull in who they like for those and, and kind of repeat that process until you find your core group of people. At least that's been my experience. And it's like every project is starting a little bit less from scratch, but you're still trying to fill the right roles where you haven't found them yet. Yeah, I think it's definitely just about, you know, building relationships. Again, networking is one of the most important things you can do when it comes to working in any field, especially the film industry. Yeah, and, and I would say just to add to that, going to festivals and watching films and connecting with the people who worked on them is really the best way to kind of like expedite your crew finding. Because if you can find people who made things that you liked or did something really specific that you liked about a film that's already been made and bring them in, you at the very least know that you like their work. And if you chatted with them at that festival, you know that you probably like them to some degree as a person, right? So definitely. And, you know, talking about that in film festivals in general, I'm curious your experience at the Blackbird Film Festival, because I know you were the receiver of the 2020 Black Feather Award. So I'm thinking, you know, I didn't work um, intern that year, so I didn't get to meet you, unfortunately, but you obviously had an impact on the team and all the um, staff there and just the filmmakers in general. So I'm curious about that. Yeah, uh, well, I would just like to thank the festival for that award. I was really honored and surprised to see that. This was my third year with a film in the festival and I I would have obviously attended if if COVID didn't, you know, throw things off. But I I really loved it and that's why I kept submitting again and again. What I think is really lovely about the festival is that it has this real like local team feeling to it. A lot of the time you go to festivals and you you only really meet like the festival director and that's it. And you don't really meet the the family of people that brought it together. It can be very like singular in its feeling other festivals, but Blackbird feels very much like a family did it. The interns are all so lovely. Like I remember when I went my first year, uh, everyone just came over and introduced themselves to me and everyone had really seen my film, which is was also unique because so often when I would meet staff at other festivals, they had no idea who I was. They were just like, oh, you're a filmmaker. But there wasn't this like authenticity about the me as a filmmaker in that festival whose film was screening, you know? And with Blackbird, it was just like everyone I spoke to had seen it and had something to say about it. And they there was just, I think being held at a university kind of helps with it feeling very close knit. You know, obviously all the interns tend to be students and, and their families, if they're local, will show up for screenings. And so the attendance tends to be really good, which I appreciate about Blackbird as well. Sometimes you're at a festival and it's like the only people in the room are the other filmmakers whose films are screening. And and I find like the screenings tend to be pretty packed at Blackbird. And uh, I really love the way the program is put together. Like this year I watched almost all of the films because it was virtual, so I had the time to watch them all. And I love the kind of thematic programming. There's just such a care to the way the films are curated and the way they flow from one into the next. That's something I always appreciate as a filmmaker because what leads into your film and what follows it up is a huge part of an audience's experience of your film, right? And like the the tone you leave them with should complement the what the next film will be for the sake of that filmmaker, right? And 
And so I think that Blackbird is just done in a very thoughtful way. And I really appreciate that. And so it's really just like a wonderful festival all around from the quality of the films to the friendly sort of warmth of, of the people who run the festival. Right. I think it helps that Sam is a filmmaker himself. Yeah, too. totally. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And we're glad to hear that because like Maddie said, we both actually interned, I think 2018, yeah. maybe. I don't know. It feels like feels like decades mm -hmm. ago, but uh, so we're glad to hear that too. But before we go, we know that you have a podcast, so we'd like you to give that okay. a, a plug, but also if you have any other projects that you're working on, you know, what, what's the future look like? Yeah, well, thank you. I do have a podcast. It's called Breaking Out of Breaking In. It's uh, pretty new. We, we launched in October, but it's with Brie Castellini, who's another filmmaker. She and I have a background in education and largely about like audience building and career oriented education, not so much about craft, but more about like, how do you find the people who want to watch what you want to make and how do you engage them and keep them as sort of amplifiers of your career. And so we decided to put this podcast together to kind of reframe the way people think about a filmmaking career and, and to kind of challenge industry standards. And so you can find that on iTunes or Spotify or whatever your listening device or uh, platform is of choice. And then in terms of my, my own films, uh, so The Gaze premiered on Alter pretty recently, which is a platform for genre content. It's horror films specifically. And it's been really wonderful to have it out there. We have at this point oh, nearly 100,000 views, which has been pretty amazing. Also a little bit like when you get to that level of views, you also open yourself up to trolls. So it's like been a been a kind of exercise in like resistance of just not living by the comments all day, every day. But that's been wonderful. And on November 25th, my my newest short, Affliction, is premiering online. That's kind of a genre film, but also a little bit more in the drama realm. It's not it's not a comedy. It's it's pretty dark. And that is also about five minutes. So I'd love it if people checked it out. You can find it on my website, ChristinaRea.com or on congestedcat.com, which is my production company site. And I actually have a new short that I shot the very end of 2019. It's called Game Brunch. It's more in the comedy realm, though there's definitely some macabre elements to it. And I'm submitting that to Blackbird. So, so hopefully that'll be, that'll be at the festival next year. Um, but even if not, uh, I'm, I'm hoping people will have a chance to check it out at some festival next year. That's awesome. Yeah, maybe we'll have to have a, a reunion here <laughs> and uh, talk about that. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Thank you. Of course. Well, we appreciate you obviously being on the podcast, um, speaking with us. So yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, it was so nice yeah thank you. you so much. I really enjoyed this. And I wish you both luck with your own films. Thank, thank you very you. much. <laughs> Christina, Christina, that was Christina. How great was she? That was awesome. Such a great interview. Um, loved speaking with her about just, you know, being a woman in the film industry. It was nice to kind of have that conversation. Yeah. Um, I think it can get, you know, brushed over a lot sometimes. But yeah, such a uh, such a great person. And I'm looking forward to seeing all her new films. Yeah. And uh, I will say she was very easy to talk to. She was so nice. And uh, like you said, she had a lot of great talking points about women in film, which was super informative. And I thought it was super interesting. Um, be sure to check out her podcast, Breaking Out of Breaking In. Um, 
And she has a couple of projects, as she said, coming out soon. So keep your eyes out for those because I have a feeling they'll be pretty good if it's any indication um, from the gays. That was that was obviously we were big fans of that. So Um, so thanks for tuning in uh, and we'll catch you next time. Sounds good. See you guys later. Bye bye. Thank you.